Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Nice words there. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do this tonight because there's this burger patty smell coming through the auditorium. Uh, you guys are really special if you can sit through this because it's really tough. So I've been praying not to, to do the sermon but to get through the smell this evening, So just so you know. But like Gabe was saying, um, I'm a married man. I'm a husband. It's my beautiful wife, Jen. And uh, I really just want to honor her. She is really, really important in this family. So... And then to little Lee, he's amazing. That's my nephew. He's living with us, and he's pretty special. And we love you, boy. We really do. So, so this evening, and you all know that we are on this series called Jesus Plus Nothing. And while I was reading the scripture, it was really dawning on me, chapter 5, so important in terms of what God is really wanting to say to us this evening. And... Uh, If you read Galatians from chapter 1 to chapter 6, you'll see that the first two chapters are are really biographical. It is something where Paul has to come and and really tell them where his authority comes from and and how he's exerting that authority um, that God has given him. So not by man, but by God. So nothing appointed by man, but only affirmed by God. And then we get to the doctrine section, and he starts off chapter 3 by saying, you foolish Galatians. And this is where he gets into the real nitty-gritty of what the Word is saying to us. And it's so important to understand that when, when we're talking doctrine, when we're talking theology, it has to f- form the foundation of our understanding of the kingdom. Because that's where we get who Christ is um, to us. And then the last two chapters... And I know you've all been waiting because sitting through this for the last five, five weeks of, of listening to Jesus plus nothing, um, we get to a section that's called the practical side of things. So we've listened to where Paul comes from and, and, and his authority that he has. And then chapter 3 and 4 says, this is what it's all about. And chapter 5 and 6 says, now this is how we walk it out. And that's important. It's the practical side of things. I don't know if there are any doctors here. I know Kerry Null is a doctor. I know in the beginning you studied Kerry Bear. Uh, I promise I'd say Kerry Bear, and there it goes. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Bear, for that. Kerry Null Bear. sorry. Anyway, um, we know that we start off with the history of things, where it's come from. You know, if you've studied law, a gentleman gave me his papers the first year of law, and you see, you study law, you know that it's the history of law. And then he gets into how to practice law in terms of the, the, the theory and then the practical is saying, right, go and work for a, for a company or a law firm and then you get to learn how to practically do this thing. And that's exactly what Galatians is trying to do for us in chapter 5 and 6 is to practically work out this thing. How do we get to do what Paul is writing in this chapter? And I'm going to read this evening from Galatians 5. Verse 1 to 16, so if you can just bring up that slide and we can read together. Here we go. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to, to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would, be cut them, would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Father, we thank you this evening, God for your empowering spirit. Father, we thank you that hearts will be changed towards you. We thank you, Lord, that this evening you will speak more than anything else. And we trust in you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so years ago I gave my life to the Lord and I heard this statement, walk in the spirit. And um, I didn't know what that meant. And one of the, my friends told me, walking in the Spirit, if you read in the Gospels, it says that the, the Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus. And it's, it's that sensitivity. It's like a dove sitting on your shoulder, he says to me. And then walking with a dove on your shoulder, you don't want to startle that dove. So you have to be sensitive to this Holy Spirit. And so what that looked like for me, taking it literally, I ended up walking like this the whole week, trying to walk in the spirit because I do not want to startle this dove that's sitting on my shoulder. And you can understand the silliness of doing that and not understanding what the scripture is really trying to tell us about walking in the spirit. Some of the translation says walking by the spirit and, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's all translations. God still speaks. So who is the Holy Spirit in short? Um, John 4.24 says God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. He is God. So that's where I'm going to end that. Just so we understand the didactic of that is that the Holy Spirit is God. So what does it mean to walk in the spirit? And my trans- well, what I have in front of me in terms of the definition of what that is, is godliness and moral purity designed by the Holy Spirit. So we don't get to design anything. We get to be plugged into in order to understand how we get to walk this out. And that is important to understand. That word walk by the Spirit, the Greek word, word for that is peripateo. And not peri-peri, peripateo. So just understand. It's peri- it means to walk at large as proof of ability and to be occupied with or engaged in. Wow. 
And that's where I come in with what I'm really trying to share with you. Because many times when you read this word, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the, the lust of the flesh, we're thinking I need to do this in order to overcome. However, what does it mean? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? And I know with my relationship with my wife, it's so important to understand that word engage means to be in relationship with. It's not just a matter of now I need to do something in order to overcome the flesh. However, I need to be in relationship with in order to overcome. And it's the analogy here is like with my wife, she's, we, we've had such a tough year this year in all that has been happening. And, and, and my mother-in-law, and I don't like to call her mother-in-law because I love her like my mom. And she's been in and out of hospital for so many weeks now. And it's just unsettled our rhythm as a couple. It's been tough uh, this, this last year. And I see my wife up and down every single day driving off to hospital to go and tend to her mom. And the, and, and the thing about that is, and while that is the most noblest thing that we can have, I need to look at our marriage as well. The important thing is I get to spend time with my wife only in the evenings now. And we sort of have this thing where we're capping off. We're capping off our relationship every evening. We sort of have this discussion about what happened during the day. How's your mom? How's school been? And those kind of things. And I tell her about my work. And we're capping off sort of what we're going through in life. However, we are not journeying together. We are capping our relationship off. And we know that that is not good enough. And so many times, we as Christians, and I include myself, we tend to cap off our relationship with God. At the end of the day, I will go on my knees and I'll pray. At the end of the day or end of the week, I will come to church. And I will have this ending off my week, capping it off with God. However, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Meaning, be in relationship in the Spirit with God not just capping off this relationship, but living it out with him and in him and through him. So I just thought I'd let you know what that really means to me. When I read the scripture, we are also tempted to say, I don't want to do this anymore, Lord. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to walk free in this area. However, it starts somewhere. And it starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So why does Paul exhort us to walk in the spirit number one i believe fully that it is to see the beauty of christ i, I can't if, if i read this I, I can't see anything else who inspires you who is the one that inspires you so when paul says walk in the spirit in order to see the beauty of christ he is our helper isn't he he is the one that allows us to see the beauty of Christ. That this doesn't become some contractual thing. That if I do this, we will overcome that. But it is to see the beauty of who Jesus is. And many years ago, Jen and I took a travel to the wilderness. And it was an amazing time. It was during our anniversary time. Such a great time. Um, walking. And when we got to the wilderness, there's this gate you have to pay. And then before you get in, you get this indemnity form that you have to sign this piece of paper 
And I signed this paper and I put it in my back pocket, never read it, went in, and we had the most amazing time journeying through this forest. It was beautiful. We got to see the most beautiful birds flying around, sitting on the branches, beautiful flowers. We noticed almost everything. Beautiful river running through it, and as we crossed the river, we would take some time just watching and, and, and watching the flow of the water coming through and that sound, that beautiful, tranquil sound of the river coming through. And at the end of that walk, we ended up at this beautiful waterfall and this massive dam or pool, whatever you want to call it, and we took a nice dip, uh, not a nice dip, <laughs> clothing. In the pool, we swam, we had fun. Uh, yeah, um, there were people there, so it's not that, okay? There were many people around, and, and, and we had such an amazing time just swimming, and, and we came back the same way. We came back the same way. However, if I had read what that format said, it says, this is, there's wildlife in here. There are dangers lurking around here. You know, I don't know, I've just recently, I like to watch um, Geo National Geographic and those kind of things, Nat Geo Wild, and, and in, in that area there's a couple of snakes that you wouldn't want to encounter, and I don't like snakes, so, so it's a dangerous thing for me, so, but, but imagine I knew that before I went in, my eyes wouldn't have been focused on the beautiful things that we would have witnessed. I would have checked out for this spider and that snake and that wildlife and, and my eyes would have been on the dangers that could be around the corner instead of the beauty that has been on display. It's the same when we start reading scripture. It's the same with the law, the flesh, that when we try and get into the law to satisfy the law, we fail to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. We get captured into reading scripture, which is a beautiful thing. But there are laws that the Jews had, 613 laws. And when you stick to that law, you fail to see the beauty of who Jesus is. Number two, to have a change in the heart towards him. We need to fall in love with him again. And it's, again, not an effort from our side. Romans 5, 5 says that the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit which was given to us. How beautiful is that? No effort to love Him, just to receive in order to love Him. How beautiful is that? No effort whatsoever. We need to get back to loving God with His love that is poured out into our hearts. Give back to Him what He's given to us. It's like saying to someone, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but you fail to say that I'm in love with Jesus. The absence of saying I'm in love with Jesus leaves many things up to the mind to understand what are you really saying. If someone comes to you and says, hey, you know, a girl hits on man, the man is married, and, and he says to the lady, uh, sorry, I'm married. What is he really saying? He's holding onto a document that says you can't do these things. He's holding onto a document that says you will be faithful to your wife, something that says you have been registered to be married. 
but if he changes that and he said, no, I'm in love with my wife, it changes everything to that person pursuing him. You see, the enemy loves us to be legalistic in many ways. Even when we say, no, sorry, I'm married, that sounds good. But when you say, I'm in love with my wife, it changes everything. And the same for us as Christians. It's for me to say, oh, no, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a Christian. Am I in love with Jesus? That's where it all lies in terms of this relationship that's Paul, that Paul is calling us out into. And I've um, really just, this, this afternoon, just lying in his presence, it's, I have this little caption that God has really downloaded. It says, saying I'm married could be the same as saying I'm a Christian. The danger lies in the absence of saying I'm in love. The danger lies in the absence of saying I'm in love. It is love that inspires. It is love that pursues. That's why God, when we are without that love in our hearts and we're so driven by the law of doing things and having to do things, the law is not bad, don't get me wrong. It's just that our effort shouldn't be on it. But if we are so driven by that, how do we walk? in the beauty of what Christ has displayed for us? How do we walk in seeing the beauty of who he is for what he has done? The cross becomes an act instead of a commitment of love. That's what it means. We cannot let the cross be an act, but it is a commitment of love. We'll see the cross differently and then find the strength in what the cross has done. So, How do we do this? How do we walk in the Spirit? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. John 6.63 says, um, the words that I speak, the flesh profits you nothing. The words that I speak is spirit and it is life. And so clearly we get to understand that we need to be stuck into the word more than anything else. This book is the most important book on earth. No other book surpasses its value. I can tell you now, many people have written amazing books but this book stands out above the rest. And I can tell you now that this book has changed my life. That question of walking in the spirit, yeah, I gave you an example, of, a foolish example of how I'm trying to physically do this thing. However, getting to know God is so important. And the word reveals that to us. The word reveals that to us. The important thing about the word in this context is the fact that we get to understand how the spirit moves. We get to understand what the spirit is saying to us. No intimacy with God. No intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We don't get any downloads from God because we do not understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And so that is the importance of that scripture of, of John six sixty three, where Jesus talked to them about uh, the flesh that's profiting you nothing. 
John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Again, nothing that you are doing except finding yourself in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. I am, I am so relieved if I read the scripture. I am relieved. Because there are so many things in my life that I needed to get rid of. And I tried and I tried. I, I promise you, I tried so hard because I wanted to be this good guy. God must be proud of me because look, Lord. Sorry. Look, Lord, what has, what has happened? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm now walking like this. The key here is that God is already satisfied with you. God loves you. God is already, this, this story has been written already. It is a done deal for us. However, we need to really trust that it is. We need to trust that God has completed this work for us once and for all, which is so important. John Mark Comer, when he was here, he spoke out of John 15, and, and he, he gives the analogy of, of, of thinking of a branch that is attached to the vine, and you don't see any branch going in order to produce a fruit. Okay, that, sorry, that's not... Uh, uh, looks like I'm somewhere else. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't... It's, it's not like we have to work hard to produce a fruit. He says the vine dresser produces that. Stay in the vine. And the vine dresser will produce a fruit. We don't get to produce anything except being a bronze, staying attached to the vine. And that is the important part of what abide in me means. And the important thing for us as Christians is to always stay focused on Jesus. To always stay focused on Jesus. So many times I said, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. And then I go away and it's like, oh, you didn't speak to me tonight. However, I haven't read my word for three days. But the moment I start reading the word, I'm in tune. The Holy Spirit empowers me to be in tune. To know what God is saying. This soup kitchen started with the Holy Spirit impressing upon me to go and feed my people. I can tell you now that when I went out there, the only thing I got right was hearing from God. That's the only thing I got right. After that, it was fix and fail, fix and fail, fix and fail. Because I've done it in the flesh afterwards. It was this effort to do something. No desire at all. But over time, with His grace, He builds this relationship with you as you go in. As you keep on walking, God starts building this relationship. He massages His love, His grace, His mercy, His kindness. All of these things come and you feel it and you say, Lord, thank you. I can go out there. I can do this not because I have to, but because there's a desire in me that you've placed there. And because I love you more than anything else. So just to conclude, I didn't want to say too long. <laughs> just to conclude in this, and Jesus didn't give us the Holy Spirit so that we have to overcome. It was really for a relationship with God. 
it was to know God's heartbeat for us. He says you will go on to do greater things. And that word greater, if you look at it, it's not better things than him. It's just that we in our lifespan as the church get to do more than what he's done in the time that he's been there. We cannot be greater than Jesus. We aspire to be like him, which is important. So it was for us to grow in the knowledge of who he is, to grow in our faith in the Father, and to grow in intimacy with him. I'm a very relational man. I sat in the auditors meeting. Um, KPMG hosted us, and they said, right, um, one of the guys, as the auditor left the room, um, our, C our CIO said to me, oh, we need to build, uh, at least we mustn't rub them up the wrong way. So how are we going to get them to sort of play along with us should we not make this audit? And, and I said, oh, build relationships. Uh, he was like, what? Uh, build relationships. I said, because I knew we were in trouble. So what do you do? You build relationships. I said, how do you get the bus driver to stop for you? Build relationships. And he'll stop for you. He'll wait for you. And I'm a relational person. I love relationships. I'm very intentional in that area in terms of meeting people and chatting to people. And I think God has impressed that in my heart this evening, this message that I can bring through to you this evening. Yeah. At Genesis 3, it says that Adam heard God walk in the garden in the cool of the day. So for me, if I read that, I get to understand that there was this intimacy in the garden of Eden with God and man. It was there, it was the design of God to have intimacy with us. If I read that carefully, I see that Adam had this massive privilege of being in the presence of God. It was his design for man to be in his presence. And Paul says, walk in the spirit. Today he's saying what the first Adam couldn't achieve the second Adam made possible for us to again walk in the spirit in the cool of the day with our heavenly father. And if you're anything like me that has been trying so hard to get things right, you've been trying to get rid of, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a lot of things that, that we do today and we're working so hard to get rid of these things because it's not godly things that we're doing. I'll stand first and I'll ask you to stand with me. If you are one of those who feel that you are struggling in areas that you feel God needs to come and sort of bring a resurrection in your life, not because of effort. This is not a judgment on anyone. I'm the first one to stand because I know I'm still trying. I'm still walking this journey. But I'd love to pray for you this evening. I'd love for us to understand that our our default with God is a relationship more than anything else. Our default this evening is for Him to come and work in us. Because that's His desire for us.